Hello, everyone. Hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Those of you who have been regular listeners to this show may be surprised today because I think it will be an unusual hour. By now, you probably have become accustomed to me giving a talk on some subject or interviewing someone. In fact, uh, out of 44 shows, this is number 45, out of 44 shows I had since December 1st, 2020, I interviewed 19 times and 25 times I spoke on various subjects of consciousness, uh, principles of mind-body therapy, on night dreams, face reading, stress. But today, uh, I came for this show totally unprepared, meaning deliberately unprepared. I decided to have an open floor. I will tell you why, and I, I will tell you what I mean. Uh, it's been for a while that I talk, and uh, and I, I, I ask people to call in with questions, comments, but I don't get too many calls. And I ask a couple of my new friends, people who have been listening to this show, send me emails, and I started corresponding with them. With some, I even spoke on the phone, and some actually became my friends. It's really sweet. It's so nice getting to know new people. And I asked, why aren't people calling? Actually, I asked three different people, and they gave me the same answer. They said pretty much this. Uh, you talk on some interesting subjects, and people are listening. This is not how your show is set up. Um, there are other shows, the majority, in fact, uh, majority of uh, hosts of shows invite people to, from the beginning, ask people to call in and wait, and, and people call in. They expected to call and that the whole show is based around these phone calls or, or just interviews. But you talk and people listen. This is it. And I realized it's true, you know. I've been teaching pretty much all my life. I remember being six years old and sitting, asking my parents and my brother and my sister, who my brother is seven years older and I'm, uh, my sister is five years older, so which means I was six, my brother was 13, my sister was 11. And I remember telling them uh, a, a movie. And it seemed like I don't remember even what the movie was about, but everybody was interested. And at some point, my father said, turned to my mother and said, uh, did you take him to this movie? Uh, and my mother said, no, did you take him? She said, no. And I started laughing and said, I made it up. I made it up. So probably somehow, maybe they actually pretended and maybe it was true. But I was teaching and then uh, I was telling stories when, when I was in high school. And eventually, I don't know if you know, that my first education was actually in, lingui was in linguistics. I taught um, literature in high school. And a whole psychology work and, and social work degrees I received here in the United States. So, but all the years, uh, and for 
for at least 35 years in America, I have been giving classes, teaching, and I'm used to teaching. I, but it's a different experience. You know, the, the word student comes from Latin studere, which means to be eager about. So a student is usually is eager about learning. Uh, when I was teaching literature, I made it, I believe, interesting because my students were always participating, asking questions. I didn't follow the, the textbook. I told them uh, some insights, my insights or something I read in other books about literature that we were covering. And then when I started teaching in the United States, it was always, it was not in the university, but I was a staff member of um, faculty member of the American Institute for Mental Imagery, and people pay for the courses. So they're interested to get in getting benefits from the course. So I always have these people who participated and I could look in their eyes, I could see their responses. And suddenly, I am faced with this audience at the age of 66, after 60 years of speaking to people and facing them, suddenly, I I'm not facing, I, I am just talking to people and I know they're listening. I know because uh, at the studio they're telling me the numbers, but I don't see, ladies and gentlemen, your faces. I don't see your reactions. It's very unusual to me, very kind of a little bit uncomfortable. So I'm sharing with you. I don't know whether it's insecurity at my age or, or just discomfort of not being able to see people that I'm talking to. Uh, but I'm very interested in, in actually interacting with you, particularly that there is a number of subjects that are so, so interesting, that uh, interesting only when you, when there is an exchange, when there is back and forth. So let me give you the number in at any time you want to call during this show, please feel free to call. Um, I will, there is no lecture that I prepared, there is no material, no, I will go with whatever comes, whatever question you ask. Um, there is totally an open floor. So the number here is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. If any of you would like to send me an email, I also welcome your emails. Uh, it's drpeterresnik at gmail.com. Uh, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. So, so what I decided, like after I listened to these three friends, uh, their, to their comments, I decided to, to take a risk, not to prepare some talk. I do, I do have other subjects I could cover. I can, um, I can talk about cancer, my work with cancer. I worked particularly for 15 years at the Shakta Center for Complementary Medicine. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of cancer patients. People came from different kind, uh, parts of the world um, and, you know, took hotel rooms. We had a hotel right nearby our office and stayed for a couple of weeks. I have saw people from England, from Italy, from Saudi Arabia. Um, but that's, that's the whole, I, I could talk and I, I have actually several 
uh, courses on dealing with cancer, and I can talk about memory, concentration, I can talk about um, dealing with heart problems, and so on. But I would rather today uh, give you an opportunity to call and ask questions. My, my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, said, nothing of value happens unless you make a leap into uncertainty. Uh, and so I decided to make this leap. I usually I make it very safe. I prepare some subject. I write an outline of what I want to talk about, and like, let's say seven, eight points I want to cover, and I think of how many minutes approximately it will take me to cover the subject, and so I need approximately to cover 55, 57 minutes, that's the length of my show, and I pretty much fit uh, into this schedule that I create for yourself. But now I created pretty much nothing. I'm just waiting till you give me a call and ask a question. And I will tell you, I will give you a little lead. Um, the best is if you share uh, with some night dream, if you had a night dream. I'll tell you why. Because you already know, I, I spoke to you about many subjects. Uh, but if of all things that that I teach, a person would need to learn only one thing, I would say it's how to work with your night dreams, how to understand your night dreams. Why? Because, because it's a body of knowledge that provides you with a continuous flow of information about you. Every morning, you have that super special therapist or advocate, a person who is on your side, not a person, but a flow of information. Of course, you need to learn how to interpret that information, how to engage that information. That's what I want to teach you. Um, you know, I, I don't know any other way to, to share this knowledge, but to, to engage you, because uh, if you read my article on, on night dreams, or I just I gave a talk in one of the earliest shows uh, about night dreams, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And a and couple of people actually send me emails uh, writing, you know, here is my dream, what do you think? I don't think. I actually, um, frankly, I did not even read uh, fully the dreams that you send me, because it's totally pointless. Because in order for me to understand the dream, or for you to benefit from the dream, I need to ask you questions. Because whatever you've seen there is meaningful only to you. If you write, you know, I'm on the streets of Paris. Paris for me is one thing, I know Paris very well, and, and it's associated with certain memories. Uh, certain experiences. Oh, excuse me, somebody, uh, Gino from the Bronx. Oh, wonderful! I will take uh, I will take the call. Uh, let me let me talk to Gino from the Bronx. Gino, are you here? Doctor Resnick, yes, Gino. Yes. Hi, Hi Gino. Gino. Welcome. I'm so happy Thank you called. You. <laughs> so I'm glad you're I will continue my... with my talk. Go ahead. 
Well, I'm glad you're, you're doing a spontaneous show, just winging it and going with the flow. No preparation. I I like that. Although yeah. I, I enjoy your preparation shows too, and uh, but this is uh, you're giving it a uh, just a strict intuitive side of the head flow with the go uh, motive there, and I, I, I'm responding to that. So here Thank I am so up with a buffalo room at the Bronx Zoo, and I have a suggestion for you. Yes, please. Now you know you know Gary. I mean, I know you know him very well, and uh, he, you know Gary Melton. Yeah, I know you know because sure. I heard your shows. You go back, and he's you're on PRN at his invite, and all the things he discusses. Your trees lead before you. We know about the people doing so much wrong. They control the courts. We got uh, you know people that, according to the the codes after World War II, you know they they would all be in jail since then practically. The presidents, so they ain't going to go after Fauci. They're not going to go after the corporate heads who are murdering people with their drugs and opioids and pretending that they, they, they didn't know they were addictive. I could go on and on. The list, Flint, Michigan, you know, uh, um, you know the, the, the Japanese plant still, uh, uh, you know, uh, spewing forth hundreds of thousands of gallons of radioactive water a day, and that don't go to, away overnight. So we could go on and on. The fake wars, millions of people murdered, children, women. Now, this is my point. Gary said years ago, about 12 now, he was going to do a documentary on the most documented seer this country, America, has ever produced. It may be the world in recent history. Do you know who I'm referring to? No idea. Okay, a man used by, well, a man who only had an eighth-grade education, a man who didn't go home to read, but he knew more than anybody talking at Oxford, Yale, Harvard, he could see, now this might be a big clue for you. Are you, you. talking about Edgar Casey? There you go, bing! <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, he was Dr. a special Redick. man. Yeah, a very special well, man, yes. Yes, but, but and, and it's very special intelligence that's worked through him. And people call him God, and I know you're very much into God, and welcome, you know, I agree with you on that page. I have no problem calling the creative intelligence of everything God. So, uh, even though it's a word that doesn't describe him or her, but it's a word we Gina, use. Like, Gina, Gina, I'm sorry. To I, I have to you. tell you, no, I, I'm not attached to the word God. In fact, do you know, I, I will just make a comment. You know that, uh, you know, when you speak about God, and most people here, our listeners are Christian, Muslim, or, or Jewish. Uh, so the foundation of, of these traditions is, is Torah, is the Bible. And in the Hebrew Bible, there is no such word as God. Do you know this? Well, I know it's so sacred that they say you can't even say their name. So I could go with that, too. But there are, there are 13 different names. It's Greeks who translated all these names. They kind of guessed, oh, it's duo. And they translate it all into the word God. But really, it's different principles of God uh, that that are named in, in the Bible. So well, I like because the, God I, is many has many facets, but go ahead, sorry. Yes, so I like the, uh, the one that he told Moses, I am that I am, <laughs> and that's before well, Popeye. <laughs> sorry, Gino, Gino, I'm sorry, I have to disagree with you, but I hopefully, you know, it's beneficial. Uh, God never said to Moses, I am that I am. It's a very important point. It's again, it's a mistranslation from Hebrew into Greek and from Greek into English. Uh, what, when God, say? you're talking, referring to the burning bush, right? Yes, yes. When, when, yes. 
So, and Moses, of course, is a reluctant, reluctant leader, and he's saying, no, 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 please don't send me, and God is a persuasive, persuasive guy, guy, and says, no, no, go. Finally, Moses agrees to go, but says, you know, but who is sending me? Give me your name. And, and the burning bush is, is saying, uh, that's the Hebrew word that is in the Bible, which means I will be that I will be, because there is no verb to be in present tense in Hebrew language. So God did not say I am that I am. God said, sure. I will be that I will be. And the reason it's be. so profound and it's so important to understand, and there are many, many things that pe people mistranslate and don't understand in the Bible, you know, uh, in uh, Torah or Old Testament. So, oh, absolutely. There is I agree. So well, I will be that I will be. It to me still ends up as where I am that I am because it's only in the eternal present that we all ever are. So whatever words which are always just a, cha a what are they? Words are a chalice to be filled by the Spirit and God is Spirit and seek such to worship. It didn't say Hebrew, Aramaic, Italian, Spanish. So I understand spirit is the highest language, although we have to use our brains to get along down here. And Peter Resnick has to get his mail at a certain address. So I understand all that, but my point, not to deviate too much from the main point, uh -huh. which okay. that's a very big main point, is that the, the focus has not been put on this man that the New York Times said in 1910, two pages, imagine that today, farmer boy becomes doctor when asleep. Now, why I hop on this? It's not Edgar Casey. Please don't get me wrong, anybody out there. It's what worked through him. It, the, the drop of the ocean that we all come from, that ocean works through him. Whatever word you want to call it, yes, Christ consciousness. Yes. I agree you know? with you, Gina. And the point is the people in charge right now, the people who are afraid of the leaders in China, the leaders in China who, who are afraid of Americans, the leaders in Russia are afraid of Americans, what good cause? You know, they, they, there's a fear factor going on. And the, the point is they don't know that this being really exists. And if they can validate, we could put the spotlight on a man that was the most documented seer. Like you look back in the Bible, if they tell you God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, what I look for, I'm at the similar age, I'm about to approach your number two, is that what I look for is people walking that talk. And as we know, quality is rare in any field, science, great painters, musicians, prophets, prophetesses, they're very rare. They were so in the old days, they're so today. So what I look for is people who are actually manifesting that transcendent mind who could put a hand out and heal somebody, who knows something without a phone call, who sees something without the TV on. These are the people for me who actually are living in attunement with that being. And they're the ones who are the answer to what's going on in this world with the leaders who claim with their hand on the holy book, who do the opposite. They don't really believe that such a person exists, and we need to put the spotlight on this person because the, those people were not stopped by Robert Kennedy. They weren't stopped by John Kennedy. They, they almost took out Roosevelt. If anybody knows about Smedley Butler, they went to the highest-ranking Marine to take him out. He testified in Congress. They went, you know, they went against no, any great no, leader. I'm sorry. They do not uh, really know. I would like to ask you something. When you suggest that we listen, yeah, there are so, so many recordings of Edgar Casey. but you suggest that we listen to Edgar Casey, or we, you suggest that we actually uh, listen to many if they are proven to be real seers of our time? Okay, well, I would say not so much 
uh, what I was referring to, I was getting to the barn. There is a, well, the ones definitely, there's not either or, it's both. But it's like prayer meditation. Prayer, we talk to God, meditation, we listen. So it's not either or, it's both. So anybody you could find, now I'm very, I was very inspired when you had Vim Hoff on. <laughs> what an enthusiastic uh-huh. ball of yeah. fire. After him losing his wife and the way he discovered, you know, more. I always look at the yes, truth as the mountains, and he's climbed it quite a bit. And even the Himalayas, to how much God's truth is, is, is a little pebble. But he's certainly one who's enthusiastic and is on to quite a bit of truth that no, we're not hearing about. I so, agree but, with you. I agree with you. A very connected person. Yes. 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 Do you and know Jack anybody Jones? else beyond uh, Edgar Casey and, well, and Wim Hof is a very interesting person. He kind of somehow connected to this infinite, whatever you want to call it, mind. But do you yes. know anybody else who is well, of that stature? Most of my teachers, well, they, well, I look at it, God through them, you know, so I would say the way God worked through Edgar, I don't say, I don't worship Edgar Casey. Uh, right. Even, you know, Jesus always said, I do nothing but the Father in me. He had that humility. Probably still does. So I look for, so most of my teachers, whether they be Yogananda, who's my favorite from India, you know, the one who taught Gandhi to meditate. Uh, there's, but there is a man who only wrote about, actually wrote about Hitler and the jewels that they stole in the, in the masterpieces, stolen from, you know, mostly jewels, Jews in, uh, in Germany. But the people, and he wrote about murder mysteries, a Hollywood murder mystery, true story, or crime syndicates. He didn't believe in these things. My f- favorite writers with the case material are the skeptics. The first book by, by, uh, about Edgar Casey came out two years before he died written by a college-educated guy who went to college with his son. His name was uh, Tom Segrew. He got so educated that he divorced spell, from his I'm cousin. sorry, would you spell it for me because I want to check it out. Tom? Uh, Tom, Tom Segrew, C-S-U-G-R-U-E, S-U-G-R-U-E. Yes. He wrote, yeah, it's called There is a River. Now, he did not believe in miracles anymore because he got educated. So he mm-hmm. went to a doctor. He got sick, and this is Tom's story real quick. He got sick. He went to the doctors. They said, you got a rare disease. We got to do experimental medicine, and it could be fatal. Well, he didn't want to hear that. So he got diagnosed from his best friend, Edgar Casey's son, Eulin. He got diagnosed from Edgar, and he said, Tom, you got to do this, that, this, and that. Being an impulsive Irishman, he didn't want to do that time-consuming process. He took the, the, the magic pill. He got totally paralyzed from the doctors. Couldn't move his arms or legs. Went to mm. Casey. He lived with him for a year. He got his arms back. Never got his legs back. He got his arms back, and he wrote the first book to put a tear in my eyes. I was 18. It was called uh, There Is a River. So that, now recently, 20 years ago, it's about 10 biographies of him. 20 years ago, there was another man who was skeptical, Sidney Kirkpatrick, a New York Times bestselling author, wrote all the books I told you on the topics, Hitler and the murder mysteries, and a lot of evil stuff that people do. He wrote about it, documented it. Very good, you know, researcher. Well, he, he was taking his daughter to school, and he met a woman who grew up with the Casey material, and she tried to interest him, being a New York Times bestselling author, maybe to look into the Casey work. And he said, I don't believe in that stuff. And, and once they got to know each other, he said, you're a nice lady, but with my skills, investigative skills, I will show you the error of your ways. She said, I challenge you. Even God says, prove me, right? <laughs> so she, he went to disprove it. He's on, he's on YouTube, Sidney Kirkpatrick. In two weeks, he found a rabbit hole. He signed a book deal for two years. He studied for seven years. The book came out 20 years ago, An American Prophet. I do believe he is a seer, a prophet of this country. Actually, the world, if you read it enough, what he had to say about What's the, the world. Would you repeat the name? 
an American prophet by Sidney Kirkpatrick. Now, I oh. suggest you can get him on your show. If Gary can hear, I suggested years ago, but it went, went off with Gary doing other things. But Gary is great with what he does. He focuses on the problems, and he does talk about, he goes off once a year on a meditation retreat. But the seers of today, he wasn't aware of that girl. He hasn't talked about Wim Hof. But the ones uh-huh. of today, uh, he, he promised to do one on Edgar Casey about 12 years ago, documentary. He didn't do it. Now, why you keep talking about, and we do get fascinated with evil, why we keep talking about the people doing wrong it's important. I don't believe in hiding from the darkness, hiding from the shadow. But we need to know the antidote. And he does say the spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution, but we don't know the great spiritual teachers. Here we have see, Henry Aaron. See, of the, sorry, you of said the Sidney Kirkpatrick, right? Kirkpatrick, yes. K-I-R-K, I think it's P-A-T-R-I-C-K. And he's up in, I think he's up in... Yeah, he's up in, uh, I think he's up in Canada, yeah. but if you can find him, uh, you Dr. Know, Resnick. I, I want to take yeah. another call, uh, but uh, I thank you thank very you much for, for your up. contribution. You share with a lot of interesting things. <laughs> and just in case, is there any, uh, um, I want to offer people also to call in with their night dreams, because it's, I, I was talking about it uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Is there any night dream that at one point you want to call in and share, or it's not the subject that is interesting well, to you now? Well, I could, give you, I could give you a dream I had with uh, Edgar's uh, sec. Well, the first time I had a dream where I woke up with tears, I saw how my father would die. And I didn't see my father in 17 years, nor get a phone call. And he, so it was with his heart. And a year and a half later, he was operated on and died on the table with his heart operation, uh-huh. bypass. Uh-huh. He didn't know about uh-huh. Dr. Dean Ornish. So, and then a good one is I had one with Edgar's secretary where I went down to Virginia Beach. I never met Edgar because he died in 1945. So in 1986, I, met, I saw his secretary. And I, was, I went in a room to give her some pictures, and I was supposed to pay for it. The doctor was talking about the mind-body. I said, Gladys, that's his secretary, Gladys Davis Turner. I said, I didn't pay for this class. I better leave. She said, don't be silly. Sit down. I sat down behind her in the middle of the intermission. Her girlfriend was on the left and right, and I saw every word going to come out of the girlfriend's mouth. I saw the room. I know I saw it six months before. And when I told her, speaking of dreams, because the other girlfriend brought up the topic of dreams, I'm watching the whole thing. I said, speaking of dreams, I got to tell you what's happening. I seen this six months ago. And Gladys, uh, you know, she got a tear in her eye, and she actually put me in touch with a very evolved uh, soul that comes mm-hmm. from the Firestone family. Uh, but uh, that's an interesting story unto itself, how she, she had a friend, couldn't get help with all the money yeah. she had. And I, I would have to go now. Uh, uh, because I, I do yes. want to answer somebody else's question. Uh, thank but you, but thank you very much, and I will make a comment before I move on uh, regarding your dreams, because they, it's quite interesting what you share. With. Thank you very much, Gina, for calling. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you in the future. You can count on it. Uh, I will and. be that I will be. Okay. Will be <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, Gina just shared. Oops, um, I expected somebody to somebody else. I saw somebody was calling, and now it's disappeared. Uh, Gina just shared with a couple of dreams, and uh, they're interesting because uh, they seem to be precognitive dreams. That is, he saw something happening to his father a year and a half before actually it happened, 
And then exactly that happened. Most of the time when I encourage people to share their dreams, and they do, they share with the dreams that what I call uh, wisdom dreams, dreams which are messages from our psyche, call it from our higher self or subconscious mind to our conscious awareness. So we would be aligned to the present moment and make the right choices in our lives. Uh, that's most, I would say 90 to 99, 95% of night dreams. But there are indeed uh, precognitive dreams as just Gino shared with us. Uh, and there are also dreams which are visitation dreams. Uh, by the way, as I talk, uh, somebody was trying, I, I saw somebody was trying to call and then um, the name disappeared. Uh, but anyway, uh, you are very welcome to call anytime I will, like I picked up uh, a genius phone call, I will be happy to interrupt whatever I'm talking about and answer your phone call, particularly if you want to share with your night dream or you have questions regarding dreams. Uh, let me tell you again why, why I believe it's so important, because this is the most important body of knowledge any human being can work with. Uh, nothing comes close, and no psychologist uh, or uh, a seer can tell you more about you than your night dream. But by the way, so there, there are precognitive dreams like a Gino, uh, one with, uh, Gino shared with, and there are visitation dreams. I don't think that I spoke, I don't remember speaking about it in the previous show when I did speak about night dreams. Uh, how to recognize the difference between a visitation dream and a wisdom dream. Uh, in fact, somebody just yesterday shared with me that, you know, uh, he, uh, his grandmother visited him, his favorite grandmother, and he spoke to her and, and he's aware. Uh, Neil from Connecticut. Oh, I got a call from Neil from Connecticut. I will take a phone call in a minute. So, and uh, this person uh, sh uh, shared that he, he actually had that dream and he was hugging his grandmother. And then another grandmother came in and there was a whole conversation. Uh, please uh, connect me with Neil, uh, because I don't want Neil just to hang there. Hello? Hello, hi, Neil? <clears throat> Can you hear me, Peter? Yes, yes, Neil, hi. Thanks for calling, I will, be, I will be with you just in a second. I want to finish the thought. So, I'll hang. And so the, the person saw his, both of his grandmothers, and there was a whole drama of interaction between him and his grandmothers. And that is not a visitation dream, because there is a drama, there is an unfoldment, there is a story happening. And it's really a wisdom dream, which means each of the grandmothers represented a part of this person who shared. It's an aspect of a person's personality. But the way you know that it's a visitation dream is that when there is no story, a person talks to you, uh, nothing is happening, and they give you some kind of a message. And when you wake up, most of the time, you have a feeling that it was real. And more than likely it was. But the, the key element is there is no story unfolding, just a person and you.
and the person is on the other side. Neil, welcome to the show. Please go ahead. You have a question or comment? Yes, I have a comment. Uh, the last caller and you just used the phrase, I am, am, am. Yes. Are you uh, related it? Sorry, I, I will be. You. Suddenly, your, your voice is not clear. Would you repeat? Yeah, I'm sorry about this. Uh... Now it's very clear. Okay, it's good now. Um, would you would you translate the phrase "asher eje asher"? Asher asher means "I will be that I will be," and and there is a okay. profound meaning to it. But uh, but I don't want to go on a tangent unless you have a question regarding specifically that. What is your question about it? Specifically, um, whether it's I am that I am or I will be that I will be, and I, I understand what you say about there being no present tense, so that's a mistranslation. But even so, the, the phrase that I first learned, Doctor Peter. Yes. Um, and I, I cannot, um, uh, I cannot ascribe to a specific chapter and verse where I first heard the phrase was, be still and know that I am the Lord thy God. So I looked it up while you were talking with the previous caller, and what came out was, um, uh, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. So, whether it's I am or I will be, what I want you and to focus on is the word that. So instead of just glossing over it, be still and know that that I am God. What rhetorical question? Because I'm going to tell you what I feel about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that. <Yes. laughs> um. I will be, be still and know that I will be. Um, you still know that I yes, will yes, be. Yes. Okay. Focusing on the word that, Peter, and I'll let you yeah. go after this. It begs the question, which that? Me? The small little human who I declare in so many ways every day, I am, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, uh, my existence. What the Lord of hosts is saying, mm -hmm. what is I am not you. Be still and focus on the will be who is me, the creator. So it would read, I would put emphasis on the word that to mm -hmm. answer the question, or I am is how I usually think of it, but thank you for, for um, educating me on it, that it means I will be. But in either case, I will be that I will be. I will be that I will be. That that you. I got it. Yeah, yeah, Neil, I, I understand what you mean. Well, I, this is for our, it's a very interesting point you're making. It's for our listeners to, to take in and decide how they feel about it. 
but there, there is nothing that I can elaborate on. It's an interesting thought. Uh, and um, yes, I, I understand your point that the focus needs to be basically you're saying what what uh, in Buddhism they will say in Hinduism they talk about the difference between the small eye and the big eye. Yes, exactly. Uh, right, the, the small, yes, our little, <laughs> our little self, and then there is a big self. A wonderful, um, wonderful thinker, Larry Dorsey, Doctor uh, Dorsey, wrote a number of books um, that I really admire. Admire uh, his work. He's an oncologist who stopped actually working as a medical doctor and just writes incredible books. His last book is called One Mind. I would very much recommend anybody to read it. Dr. Larry One Dorsey, mind. One Mind. And he talks specifically about this and how we are part of that one mind, uh, but we're one little speck of that big mind. So the mind is not in us, but we are in that mind. But thank you very much uh, for for your contribution, for your comment. Uh, and I want to take another call. There is Chris from New Jersey calling. Chris? Dr. Resnick? Yes. Hi, Chris. Thanks for calling. So I want to make sure that um, I'm on track with the subject matter. So you were asking people to call in about their dreams, right? And about dreams? their dreams or even any issue that, remember, I am a, a practitioner, uh, health practitioner, mental health practitioner, so I work with anxiety disorders, with relationship problems, or any physical problems as well from mind-body perspective. But night dreams is one of the wonderful subjects that can be addressed online. So that's why, yes, you're absolutely welcome to share your night dreams or ask any questions regarding them. Okay, so last... At last night, I had a strong dream, and it was about me helping people discover their instincts, like what instinctively that they are good at. And mm -hmm. it was just weird. Like, I was really helping people discover how to be the best at whatever they were trying to do and um, helping them with their weaknesses in different areas by helping them, you know, trust their instinct. So I don't know what that was about and why I had that dream, but it was a really strong dream, and I felt kind of euphoric after, you know, when I woke up that morning, this morning. Yeah, I, so, I'm so happy that you called with it. <laughs> it's great. And it's, you just had it this last night, right? Right. Wonderful. Then let me ask you a few questions so I could I could kind of help you out with this dream. How old are you? I'm sorry, what was that? How old are you? Sixty. And what is your what how what is your dwelling place? That is where what do you do with your life? Your work or whatever you do? You know what's funny? I'm a I'm a actual I'm a recruiter for for uh, a company. A recruiter for a specific company. Correct. Mm -hmm. And this dream is it in any way related to this business, or it was more a dream about find helping people find themselves, not just with related to your company. What do you think? It, 
Yes, it was what you said. It was helping people to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, yeah. Go ahead. Anything else you want to to add to this before I start asking you questions to lead you through this dream? Yeah, and so at, when I woke up, I, I'm like, I need to help myself. You know, if I have trust my own instincts as well as help other people, you know, like I, I came to that conclusion, like when I kind of, when I was waking up, is this realistic or is it possible to help people become their best self? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. It's a, it's a wonderful dream. First of all, it's wonderful because you woke up and felt good. Here are steps that you make in order to work with your dreams. Number one, when you wake up and you remember even a snippet of a dream, you have to write it down because very often it goes away quickly. And then you have to ask yourself, how do I feel upon awakening? And like you said, you felt fantastic. You felt great. That's already good news. Something good is happening in your life. Because remember, the dream is reflective of where you are at the point uh, of dreaming, at the time of dreaming, and where you are heading. The dream is not only a reflection of where you are, but a blueprint of where you're going. So, man, you're, go- you're moving in the right direction. We know already yeah. that. Now we want to know the details. The second thing is location. Chris, when, you, when this dream was unfolding, where you were helping people to discover uh, their inner you know, impulses. Where was it happening? Was it in the apartment, in the, in the business, on the street? Where was it happening? Lo- what's the location? Believe it or not, it was happening in a sports-type capacity. Like, I was... Was it a team or, or a stadium? Yeah, it was like a stadium. And I went to the coach and I said, hey, give me your worst person who you think is the worst on your defense and help this person to trust their instincts and make this person a lot better than. And and my point was that everybody can be good if they can discover this. Okay, wonderful. So let's let's keep going now. Remember, number one question was how I feel upon awakening and you felt fantastic. Now, the location tell us tells us where you are as a human being in your life. Now, you saw this happening, the unfoldment of the dream was happening on the stadium, in sports. Exactly. You need to tell me, and when you work with other dreams, you have to ask yourself, what does this mean to you? What does it signify to me, uh, uh, the stadium? What's, okay. what, what, what comes to you? What's the first? Like, i give you an, an example. Let's say, if you saw yourself in a school, obviously the thought will come, well, it's a place of learning. Then I would say, well, Chris, you are in a place of learning in your life. But what is a stadium? It's a place of what? Competition. So, you know, competition. Uh, so competition, that's the first. You have to pay attention to the first thought that comes to you about something. So when I ask you, what's the location, you are telling me basically, it's a place of competition. So now the dream is telling you, let's uh, sew these two things together. 
you you woke up feeling good about something that happened you are in the place of competition in your life tell me if it's so or not uh, i don't know who you are competing with but you are now in your life somehow competing Com i don't know who you're competing with i will ask you the third question and it's three questions that we need to ask and then maybe it will get clearer the third question to you is when you ask yourself imagine that this night dream was just like a, a little movie you picked up you found a little video compact disc with a video and you watched it you watched this kind of a night dream and usually a, a film has a title what title would you give to this night dream that is what is the main essence what was the main happening of the dream what is the title to this dream chris the 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 making of a champion ah so now let's put it together so chris you woke up feeling good because you're in a place of competition and you're in the process of making a champion it's all about you something happened chris in your life and tell me if it's so because this is a question i don't know your life it's the first time you know i meet you on this show right so are you in the in the play you said that you are 60 years old are you in a place in your life but don't think about sports necessarily remember the the dream of a stadium is just only a vehicle so that you could say that you are in a place of competition you understand forget now about yeah. sports but are you in place in your life where you feel good about making yourself a champion you, you know i i do and i think you know what dr resnick it, it kind of seems like it, it's going a little bit deep. and the reason why i say that is because i'm married to someone who's really successful uh-huh and she makes more money than I do. And I feel like she's very competitive. And like, I'm always trying to, you know, be competitive as well. Not, a, I think there's some kind of competition between us about. Uh, okay. Now, about, here, now we go. <laughs> okay. So it, it is about competition, but it, the wonderful question that this dream brings up is what is about making a making a champion because it's your words what right. when will Chris be a champion remember that yeah. again the dream came just before yes uh, yesterday this night before this show mm -hmm. And right. if you, uh, Gino, the, the first caller actually was speaking about transcendence and, and time. You know, if you think that things happen, really. think about like there is no time. Time is a construction of people's mind. So past, present and future happening at the same time. And I know it's not an easy concept to grasp, but that's what physicists are saying. So the fact that... Okay. The dream came to you before this show doesn't mean that it's accidental. So just before this show, where I invite people to call about dreams, this dream comes. 
So it's something right. that is Im very important to address. And now let's hear what is this important to address. And what's important to address is what is the essence of making a champion? Is that competition? You yeah. see? Yeah. But the good thing is, the good news is that you woke up feeling good. And you said you felt good by making people champions, not necessarily exactly. yourself. It can be about you, and it can be celebrating your, you said your wife? Right. Okay, celebrating your wife's success, which means sometimes we begin to compete, and competition produces bitterness, produces resentment, produces uh, tension, where uh, if you celebrate a person's success, you become a champion because this person becomes grateful for you appreciating their success. And then both of you are winners. Does it yeah, make any sense to you? Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. I, I, yeah. I think I do that, Dr. Resnick. I'm all, you know, I'm, I, you know, when I, when I interview people, I try to give them the keys to being successful in the next level of interviews. Like I mm -hmm. coach them to do what, you know, uh, you know, I always say, well, let me give you some feedback on our conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get a lot of praise from people for helping them. Beautiful. You know, Chris, some, but, but not by a chance that you mentioned your wife who is successful and makes a little more money than you do. So I think, first of all, over, overall, we, we have to be happy with one thing, that you woke up and it felt good. You woke up right. being happy. So we already right. know that it's a winning dream. But since you did bring up your wife, and you would not bring her up if it wouldn't be somewhat an issue. So my, yeah. my, my personal yeah. take, and remember, my personal take is less important than what your feeling about the dream is. So I make make guesses, but you, yours is final word. But nevertheless, I will tell you what my personal take is. You are, from what I understand, you are exceptionally good working with other people. You are helpful right. in, in you helping them to become the best of themselves. And what your dream is telling you is that you are somewhat also in competition with your wife, but you are also able to celebrate her success. This is a dream, uh, and dreams usually come either a reflection of something that is happening in your life, or as a message that something needs, that needs to be changed, which means if it would be a conflictual dream, if you would wake up and feel unnerved, distressed, I would teach you how to go into the dream and make a correction. But this, I believe, is absolutely a dream that is reflective of the changes that you already made or accomplishments that you made, that you are very good at what you are doing and that you are probably learning how to celebrate also your wife's success. So yeah. and the dream simply saying basically to you, Chris, you're great. Keep going the way you go. That's what my <laughs> take on it. Thanks, Doc.
Does it, it make sense to you? Here, because your other callers were so intelligent with, you know, talking about the Bible, you know, and uh, my dad was a, a big church person, and, uh, you know, it was kind of ironic that I don't go to the church as much as he did because they used to make us go to church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, well, maybe this is time to kind of examine it and think what you want to get rid of. Uh, and possibly it's it's the tension and resentment of something that was imposed and when you get rid of resentment, you may want to go back and and see what's good about it. <laughs> you see? Well, yeah. Anyway, I know a lot of Chris, thank you very much for calling. And I'm looking forward to you calling again in the future. Again, I will have an open floor. Anybody can call in. And I will be happy to work with you on other dreams. God bless. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have only a few more minutes left, uh, but I'm so happy that I had three callers today. And uh, as I said, uh, I I have wanted to to share with you something else about the importance of dreams. I don't think that I actually wrote about it in my article, or that I spoke about it in a previous talk about night dreams. I don't think so. There was. Uh, there was this doctor, Dr. Alexandrov, who worked before the Soviet Union collapsed. So the what they call today Petersburg was uh, Leningrad, and he was a professor in Leningrad University. And he did research with thousands of students. He collected thousands of dreams, night dreams and examined all those dreams and examined and questioned students if they had some physical problems, physical illnesses. And what he discovered was, uh, I don't, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think it was a book. I think that I read an article and I don't even remember if I read it in Russian or English. It was so long ago. Uh, but I don't think that when I was writing an article, I thought of that of that uh, the research that Dr. Alexandrov published. And then I remembered it and made notes for myself. So I want to share with you. Uh, Dr. Alexandrov um, demonstrated that when a person gets seriously physically ill, some three to nine months prior to the illness, he actually has night dreams about possible illness. And he claims that by doing that discovery, he was able actually to save many people because when, when he would examine someone's dream after doing this research and, and proving to himself that actually that is so, he would, if a person wouldn't share a dream with some uh, little symptoms, he would send a person to, to the doctor and, the, uh, and a person would get the treatment that would prevent a person from getting more seriously ill. And in my personal experience, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's very much true. I think that there are two steps mm -hmm. that our, call it subconscious mind or our higher self, is informing us that something is not right. And the first step is night dreams. And again, uh, if you 
keep calling, uh, uh, and I will have uh, in a couple of weeks again this kind of discussion on dreams. You're welcome to call, uh, and that is. Uh, you you get uh, a night dream, and I will teach you how to recognize that it's a night dream about physical problems. But you get a night dream about the problem, and if you don't respond to the night dreams, then maybe in a month uh, you will get a little symptom, physical symptom. And after that, after a month, a couple of months, if you still did not make changes in your life, then you, the problem begins to escalate and you become, become ill. So kind of God or subconscious mind, whatever you want to call it, warns us. And the first warning system is our night dreams. So it's super important. Night dreams can, of course, come to tell us about our inner life, emotional life, our familiar life, about our social life, but also about physical, physical illness. And uh, like if a person, for example, talks on the phone and screams and somebody is screaming to them and they cannot hear. It's just one example. You may, in the dream, you cannot hear when a person talks to you. You may need to go and in, in examine your hearing because may, that may be a sign that there is a problem. The same thing with uh, having chest pains or, or some kind of growth and so on. Anyway, um, thank you again, Will, for being with me today. I'm so excited that there were three callers and maybe it's the beginning. Maybe I need to <laughs> speak a little less and kind of keep inviting you people to answer, um, to call in. Uh, what will happen next week, I can tell you in the coming couple of weeks, next week, I will finish the subject that we started last week. I had my nephew, psychic medium and healer, uh, Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Angert, and we started a talk about Ten Commandments. And we'll finish the talk next week. And the following week, I will have uh, a guest, Dr. Bog, uh, Robert Conley, who is an incredible, incredible doctor that, that has an incredible technique, very powerful technique of determining biological terrain of our body. And then you know exactly what vitamins to take, what minerals are missing, and so on. It's like a series of tests. He will be talking about it. So that will happen not next week, but two weeks from now. And then three weeks from now, I will have it again on open floor and talk about night dreams. And please be ready, and I will be happy to continue this conversation that we started today. Anyway, uh, once again, thank you so, so much to those uh, uh, Gino and, uh, and Chris and Neil that you called. And I hope everybody was listening and, and uh, benefited from these insights. Uh, I hope you will be with me on Tuesday, next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Stay well. Peace to all who want to live in peace.